Hello and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm Brittany. And we are your hosts for the evening. Welcome back to season three. Hi! Did you ever think we were going to make it to season three, Britt? Because I sure didn't. <laughs> I didn't know when we started this we were doing seasons, so I didn't think we were getting out of season one. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, that was why we had 24 episodes in the first season, because we did not plan to take a break. <laughs> we, were <laughs> we were just, just going to keep, keep going. going. <laughs> and then we were like, you know what? We should probably take a break. And so that's when the first season's deadline was born. <laughs> so in case you're wondering why there's an inconsistent number of episodes per season, that is exactly why. Which so, this one I think is longer. This one's going to be longer than the last two. Mm-hmm. Or no? It's shorter. It's going to be, I think, 15 episodes, if I remember right, 16 at most. Huh. And that is because at the end of August, <laughs> we are going to be going to the true crime podcast festival and so we will be traveling and then my brother gets married two weeks later so i'm gonna be very busy (laughs) and so we have a little bit of a a hiatus not really a hiatus it's like two week break in there but we will be going through november i believe we stop the week before thanksgiving Mm -hmm. so you're gonna be having enough of us to get you through to the holidays and then if you're not listening during the next couple months you can catch up over the holidays so today's episode is a very special one if you were here for our season two premiere you know that we interviewed somebody that we found on tiktok and this is another one of those instances my tiktok person (laughs) (laughs) yes so Britt found a tiktok of a very unique instance mm-hmm. that happened to our the person that we're interviewing today if you can't tell by the title her name is angelique cruz yes and so she had a friend who tried to abduct her baby while she was still pregnant so it was a c-section it was a wild story like just hearing her tell it i'm genuinely surprised that and normally when we interview people we like put clips of the interview while we're telling the story, but she does a mm-hmm. phenomenal job of telling the story from like start to finish. Yeah. So we're going to post the entire interview. I mean, we might cut out little bits and pieces here because we did have technical difficulties as we were trying to do the interview. Yeah. But just so you know, like majority of this episode is going to be the interview because the way that Angelique tells it, like it's, it's detailed, visceral. Like you feel yeah. like you were there. I was like, oh my <laughs> so- God, what happened next? exactly so we were very engaged throughout the whole thing and so we wanted to share the majority of the story with you especially because this is a situation that she especially wants to bring light to Mm -hmm. that this is something to be aware of it's not super common however it still happens like she's not the only one that this has happened to or and thankfully it didn't it didn't result in anybody dying in the process so that too so thankfully i mean spoiler alert nobody gets hurt Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it was just such a wild story so we're gonna go ahead and roll on into that and Brittany, take it away before we play uh the clips of the interview i just kind of want to give like a backstory to her case if you're not familiar with it In 2010, when Angelique was pregnant with her first baby, she met Cassandra Torga, who had convinced Angelique she was also 18 and pregnant because Angelique was an 18-year-old and 
pregnant. But what Angelique did not know was that Cassandra was planning to kill Angelique and steal her unborn baby. And so Angelique's whole thing that she wants to spread awareness to is fetal abductions because they're very they're uncommon but they do happen and there's not a lot of information about them mm-hmm. but fetus abductions happen less frequently than infant abductions and the difference is when you have a pregnant woman and you literally cut the baby out of her or take the baby out mm-hmm. of her and steal the baby instead of like stealing an already born baby and most people don't actually survive from that right no in fact, most prosecutors have not even encountered a fetal abduction case. So that's just like how uncommon, not uncommon, but how less often they're brought at least to court. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to give an example of like a, a recent fetal abduction case before we get into Angelique's story. But an example of a recent fetal abduction case that unfolded in Boulder, Colorado in March 2015. Okay, so it's... D-Y-N-E-L. Was it Dinal? Maybe it's supposed to be, yeah. Okay, well, that's how I'm pronouncing it. So, Dinal Lane um, had lured Michelle Wilkins, who had been in her third trimester, into her house by the use of a Craigslist ad. Ooh, Craigslist. Um, Dino, it's never a good sign. Yeah. Dino attacked Michelle, hitting her head with a lava lamp, and then stabbing her in the neck with the broken glass. She then cut the baby out and left Michelle for dead. And then Dino um, had informed her husband that she was pregnant when she arrived home. She told him that she had miscarried the baby and that's why the baby was there. Uh, but she had no signs of recently giving birth. And then eventually she admitted to Detective Stacy Graham that she had cut the abdomen of Michelle Wilkins open to remove the baby. So she performed a cesarean um, on her, well... I guess you could call it a cesarean. It's not really one. Mm-hmm. But that's just like I mean, yeah. an example of what a fetal abduction is. I kind of wanted to just give a case so you knew going into it what it was. Because um, you don't hear about them ever. Yeah, and it's very rough. Like, just the idea of doing that to somebody, I can't even imagine. So, yeah, Angelique is going to take us through her story how she met Cassandra and everything, everything you need. How to know. we got to that point. She was also on Doctor Phil. Yes, and we're going to talk about how much of a dick Doctor Phil I hate is. Dr. So Phil. let's look forward to that too. And away we go. Can you introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about yourself and your family? Yeah, my name is Angelique Robledo. Um, I am married, so it's technically Cruz, but I still go by Robledo. I have three children. I live in Arizona. I am happily married. Yeah, it's pretty. I'm going to school for nursing. I'm 29 years old, <laughs> but that's okay. pretty much. I just hang out with my kids. We're outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. I can go do outdoor things, but that's pretty much it. I'm a TikToker. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How old are your kids? Um, so Ryland is 11, uh, Maddox mm-hmm. is seven, and Scarlett is four. When all of this happened, were you guys? like actively planning on extending your family did you guys have a specific number of kids that you wanted to have that you talked about so no josh and i i was 17 and josh was 20. um we went to school together um we had the same friend group but we just basically partied together so it was 100% an accident. <laughs> it was yeah. 100% an accident. I'm like, there's no way of going around it. It was an accident. That's um, how I was. <laughs> and, you know, it just ended up happening. And 
we didn't even date the first few months because I didn't want him to just be with me because I was having his child. So I was very strict and stern on the fact, like, people would be like, oh, your boyfriend. I'd be like, no, he's not my boyfriend. He's just the baby daddy. (laughs) And then finally, like, it came down to the fact, like, where I was like, okay, he's my boyfriend. So we never planned (laughs) to have children or do anything. Um, It just happened. And we've been together since. (laughs) Okay. How did you feel when you found out you were pregnant? So I was addicted to drugs when I was 17 years old. Um, So when I found out I was pregnant, I was very shocked. And it was a very uh, Mm -hmm. sad moment, honestly, because when you're addicted to something, it's like a shock. And it's like something, obviously, like I have to pick or choose um, what I want to do. Yeah. And while I, I found out while I was like using. And so during that time, it was, I didn't want to have the baby. I didn't want to have Ryland. And that's just the selfishness of me because of the drugs. But after I came down off of them, I realized that, like, this was going to be my life forever if I didn't make a change. So, in a sense, Ryland saved me. And I remember walking to the park. Me and Josh used to have a park that we would meet at down the street from my house. And he was totally fine. Like, he almost asked me, like, do you want to have an abortion kind of thing? And I told him... You know, I, I was coming down. I took my glasses off and I said, look at me. And he was like, what? And I was like, well, I'm coming off of drugs. And all I can think about right now is is wanting more. And I said, I don't want my life to be like this. So I want to have this baby because I feel like this is going to be the only thing that saves yeah. my life and helps me stay in like a path of, you know, not using. And yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much so. After that, I think the like after a few weeks, because I was throwing up a lot and just from being pregnant yeah. and also withdrawing. So it was really hard the first few weeks and I kind of would go back and forth with myself. But when I went to that first ultrasound and I saw his heartbeat, I realized that he was like an actual human. Um, I realized that, Aww. you know, there was an actual tiny person inside of me. And then the planning mm-hmm. started and all that. So it was exciting after that. But in the very beginning, I was very scared. Especially being 17 and, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, a lot of people in my friend group weren't pregnant. So everybody was enjoying their senior year as I was enjoying my senior year growing a baby (laughs) inside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense because it's you're so young and it's just not something you're thinking about and then just flips your world upside down. It does. It flips your world upside down. But like I said, he ended up just being a blessing altogether. (laughs) Well, that's good. So getting more into the case itself, can you tell us how you met Cassandra? So one of my really good friends, my godson's mother, she met Cassandra from like just a group of friends. She had to have, I'm guessing Cassandra just kind of moved to our town, which was called Maricopa. And Mm -hmm. she just started meeting people. And so somehow Hannah met her. And Hannah, you know, called me one day and was like, hey, like, we're going to go to the mall. We're going to go out to eat. Like, we're going to have a girl's day. Do you want to come with us? Like, there's this girl. Her name is Cassandra. Um, She's pregnant just like you are. I think it would be nice for you to be around other pregnant people. And I was like, okay, like, you're right. Like, again, nobody in our friend group was pregnant. So I felt, you know, alone. And so I went with her and I met Cassandra. She was super nice, super friendly never in a million years would I've ever gotten like any like weird vibes to the point like where I thought she was going to hurt me but you could tell that she was kind of clingy but that's it like the first time I ever met her like that was it like that maybe a little bit clingy that's about it but we went to Denny's um we went to the Chandler Mall and we like got Christmas presents 
And then we even went to a place called Bye Bye Baby, which is kind of like a Babies R Us. I don't know if you guys know what that was, mm-hmm. but you can yeah, do like Yeah, baby I recognize the name. Yeah. You can do like baby registries and stuff like that. So like we even like created a baby registry for her and for me. And like you go around with like the guns and like you like start like, you know, clicking things yeah. that you want. <laughs> so like it was a cool mm-hmm. experience. It was a bonding experience. Like it was nice to finally have somebody like, oh, do you do you feel sick? Do you, you know do you feel this? Do you feel contractions? Like it was nice being Mm. able to talk to somebody who got it. Yeah. Unlike my friends who were like, we have no idea what you're talking about. We're just drinking and partying kind of thing. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's harder to relate to the people who are out there drinking and partying, especially when that's something you're trying to stay away from. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of goes into our next question. Like, how involved was she, like, in your pregnancy and just in your life at that time? So after that, we never hung out again. So we never physically hung out, but we did text a lot. Mm -hmm. We were on Facebook a lot. She still was hanging around with, like, my friends. So, like, all of my friend group knew her. Um, They knew who she was. Um, She ended up living with one of our friends. Um, His name was Sebastian. And... I don't know. I don't know the backstory of it. All I know was that something happened between her and her sister. An argument broke out and she left. And that's where she was staying at. So somehow she ended up at Sebastian's house. And basically because she didn't work, it was like trading services for like a house to stay at. So she basically like would cook and clean after, you know, Mm because a group of guys lived there. Like three guys lived there, but they had an extra bedroom. And so basically like, hey, Mm -hmm. if you cook and clean for us, like you can stay here as long as you want. So as far as I knew, mm-hmm. that was like what they were doing. She was more involved with all of my other friends than she was me. My husband actually mm-hmm. met her once at a party also because um, he went over to that person's house, Sebastian, and she was there just like picking up beer cans and stuff like that, like kind of cleaning up after everybody's mess. And that was it. Like nobody ever said anything. Like people thought that she was just kind of weird. Like she again, like she needed attention or she would say things. Mm -hmm. But like, let's be real. Like what teenager didn't say some kind of lie or what teenager didn't say like something to be exaggerative or to want that attention? Like even as adults, we Mm -hmm. do that. So it wasn't like a weird thing. It was just like a eh, like she's off. (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Like it happens. Yeah. (laughs) Like you people are different you yeah. never know when you're gonna run into somebody who's just slightly you know just doing their own thing mm-hmm. just a little different yeah. <laughs> marching to the beat of their drum is that, is that what it is <laughs> so and so you said you didn't notice any really red flags other than just her being kind of clingy nothing at that point there was like no like she was just clingy because like I even invited her to my baby shower and she didn't come, but she kept texting mm-hmm. me after my baby shower and just constant. And it had to have been really close. to I don't remember the exact date, but it was very close to my baby shower date afterwards where she came over because I still had all my mm-hmm. presents behind my couch. Like that's just it had to have been yeah. like a few days after or something when she came over. And I before she came over, like she just kept asking me and texting me over and over again. Like, when can I come over to see you? Like, I really want to bring you your gifts. Like and. I wasn't in a big rush to like have her come over. Um, she would even mm-hmm. be like, try to bribe me and be like, oh, why don't you come to my house and like get, have your mom drop you off, um, drop like drop you off mm-hmm. here. I can make you food and I can give you your presents. And I don't know, like I just, yeah. I won't say that like I felt weird about it. I just, I barely wanted to see my own friends. So it was like, yeah. I don't And mean- in hindsight, 
hindsight is twenty twenty. So now looking back, that is, I guess you could say it's a red flag. But sometimes that's just how people are. They just are genuinely clingy. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those things where I think about like what made me not want to go over there or what made me. But I was also nine months pregnant and I also just never left. I didn't want to leave my house. Like I just, like I said, if my friends invited me to go eat, I was like, eh, like, can you just come here? Like it was, I don't, I don't know exactly why, but that could have been also just nobody knows. Like it just, I just didn't want her to come over or I just felt certain way about it. But eventually I just, eventually I just gave in and I was just like, all right, cool. Like (laughs) after texting me five times, like you can come over this day. When you have finally invited her over is that when all of this happened Mm -hmm. from like what you can remember can you tell us like what happened that day so it was february 16th she i think the night before is when we talked about like her coming over so i think i told her the night before like hey i'm gonna be home with my mom and my brothers like you're more than welcome to come over so she was like yeah i would love to you know so she was like i can't wait to see you kind of thing and yeah from what I remember was like she got dropped off and I remember my little brother going and opening the door for her. It had to have been early in the morning, probably like nine or 10-ish in the morning. And she came in, I mean, she was there all day long. I, like event-wise, I'm not really sure. Like there was just, yeah. I remember watching like Teen Mom with her. This is like when Teen Mom like had their first season and then <laughs> yeah, like, oh my gosh, yeah, she's 16 thing, yeah. and pregnant. Like, so yeah, <laughs> like, oh my God. like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm just like them, just kind of thing. So it was like one of those big shows, you know, watching Janelle go crazy, yeah. everything. So, yeah. <laughs> so oh God, the Janelle season. Yeah, the Janelle season. <laughs> this is when Janelle, you know, didn't have her shit together. But we, you know, yeah. you know, you see her on TikTok now. She seems pretty good. But, you know, we were watching that. I remember just conversating with her, like, about certain things. And... I mean, even then, I still just thought I didn't think anything like I didn't think anything except for the fact that like I didn't feel like she I didn't feel like that type of friendship to the point where I was like, oh, be my best friend kind of thing. It was like, eh, she's cool. Like, I can hang with her like kind of kind of vibe, not be my best friend. Let's go ahead and, you know, tell each other our deepest, darkest secrets and have like a movie marathon. (laughs) It wasn't like that. Yeah. So after that, I remember my mom made us made us lunch and this is when things this is when i started noticing things we would we sat down at the table and she like started to mimic my life so like my mom would be like oh yeah angelique was painting the ass like i don't know how many times she ran away and i had to go find, like track her ass down kind of thing and yeah. you know like it's funny it's funny now because like i'm an adult but like i put my parents through hell and back when i was younger but there were certain yeah. stories my mom would say and Cassandra would be like, oh, ha, ha, I did the exact same thing. Like she would mimic everything that I did, though. Like I can't remember oh, the yeah, exact conversations, but it was just everything in my life. Like when I ran away, she ran away. When obviously when our birthdays were only nine days apart or 10 days apart from each other. So like when I got pregnant oh, at 17, she got pregnant at 17. Mm-hmm. There was just I don't remember. Like my mom was just telling stories. And all of a sudden, like, she had the same one, but just a different version. Yeah. yeah. And my mom kind of caught on to that. But my mom took that as her, like, I asked my mom. I pulled her aside at one point and said, what do you think of her? And she was like, eh, she seems, I like her. Like, she seems like a very nice girl. I think that she definitely is, like, somebody that wants and needs attention. So she told us her story about her mom dying and about her dad dying. Mm-hmm. And that made her cry and she was very vulnerable and very, you know, sad. And so I think my mom had like a yeah. 
felt sorry for her and felt bad for her because she could mm-hmm. see the hurt, which ended up being true. Like out of all the stories that she told me, that was true. Her mother did die from breast cancer Ooh. and it was extremely yeah. sad. Like, so those emotions were real. Yeah. Her dad actually didn't die. He actually lives in Mexico, <laughs> but she oh. had this whole oh, story okay. about both of them dying. And again, just like things were happening, like she, there was a point in time where we sat on the couch and we were going through my baby presents. And somehow we got on the topic of, we lived in a small town and there's no hospital even close by here. Like the nearest hospital would take us 45 minutes. So somehow, like, somehow like birth stuff was coming up. Like we were talking about like, oh, what would happen like if you went into labor? What would happen if this happened? Like your water broke? We're new moms, we've never gone through it, obviously. So we're just, you know, looking at my mom, like, what happens? My mom was like, well, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you normally, you don't, like, it's not like the movies, like, you don't, water breaks and you immediately start, you know, having a baby. Like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, she was explaining to us, like, kind of what happens. And then Cassandra brought up the C section. She was like, well, what about a C section? Like, where do they cut and how do they cut? And I mean, obviously, hindsight 2020, like you said, now like yeah. I look at it and like we are feeding her information but that she needed, that she needed but we didn't know like it, yeah. it is all normal talk like if you've never had a c-section before and my mom has it's like oh does it hurt mm-hmm. like where do they cut how low do they go but she got so descriptive yeah. to stand up and be like where like she like stood up like yeah. this and was just like where like my mom was like like right here it's like this big yeah. like after like, she's, like girl, the scar like, is like chill. this big <laughs> Yeah. You know, after a while, she's like, you know, it's numb. You can't feel anything kind of thing. So I feel like in a way we were yeah. feeding her information because then she asked, well, what happens if the baby is like choking or the baby's not breathing? And my mom was like, well, you get a um, so we're, we're Hispanic. So we call boogers like mocos. So like a moco sucker yeah. is what we yeah. call it. So oh, yeah, yeah. like one yeah. of those little like, you know, what I'm talking about like the bulbs and like mm-hmm. yeah. we were talking about how they're blue. The, yeah, that thing. So. We are like they're like little yeah. turkey basters. <laughs> basically, <Yeah>. basically. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about how that, like, you basically put it in the baby's mouth, suction out whatever you can, and that's you know. Mm-hmm. So like now looking back, like we were feeding her information that we just didn't know that we were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she kept asking me throughout the day to go for a walk. She kept saying like, "Let's go to the park. Let's go do this." And I'm like, "Girl, like, I'm nine months pregnant. Like." Mm-hmm. I ain't going for a walk. <laughs> like that's I was about to say, like, I'm sure you're ready to give birth at this yeah, point. Yeah, I'm like, I'm oh, not, that, I don't that... want to go for a walk. Thank you, though. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me. How far behind you in her pregnancy was she technically? I want to say she was almost six months pregnant. Maybe five months. Okay. Maybe like five and a half, six yeah. months. Now, she looked like she had a belly, like a little pudge. She was taller yeah. than me, though. Um, she was so she had like a long torso. Her torso was like very, very long, and she had a big ass, yeah. like a big ass. And so my mom <laughs> and, and huge hips. So my mom was like, you know, some girls carry differently. Like, mm-hmm. not yeah. all girls are as big as you, <laughs> Angelique. And I'm like, oh, because yeah. I was like, why doesn't she have a stomach? Yeah, basically. Thanks, mom. <laughs> Well, she's not wrong. Like, they made a whole show about it. Like, I didn't know I was pregnant, so. <laughs> but, yes, girls will go a whole time without knowing they're pregnant. So, like, I, my mom mm. was just like, you know, she could be carrying very low. She'd be carrying in her back. Like, there's so many different things that could be happening. So that's why, don't get me wrong, we all questioned, like, if she was actually pregnant. 
But, yeah. you know, again, we're all very unexperienced. So, I mean, now, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it is true, though. Some women till this day still don't show until they're like eight months. And even then, like, yeah, they lose that weight like that. Like, it's just everyone's body's mm-hmm. different. Yeah. We'll just keep it like that. Everybody's body's different. Yeah. We can yeah. <laughs> it, but it happens. <laughs> so she was asking you to go on walks. Yes. So she keeps on telling me, let's go for a walk. Like, she kept on doing it to the point where I remember, like, it was annoying um, and I wanted mm-hmm. her to go home by that point. Like, by that point, I was... <laughs> You're like, bye. <laughs> I was over it. I was over the stay. I was tired. I took... I religiously took a nap every single day, and she was cutting into my nap time, and it was just like, <laughs> girl, like, you have no idea how much I need to take a nap right now. So I tried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I tried to get her out of my house. I tried to say, like, well, you know, oh, like, I'm so tired, you know, like, just trying to be dramatic and Bye. you know just trying to get her <laughs> yeah. and that I am tired and I want you to leave but I'm too nice yeah. of a person just to say like hey you go so and plus yeah. she didn't yeah. like, do anything to me it wasn't like I wanted to be mean to her because she didn't do anything like she was a friend that she was, was just kind of out. annoying yeah I was just yeah. kind of annoyed by her at that point so yeah. she ended up coming with this, this excuse about how she couldn't go home her brother couldn't pick her up Her sister wasn't home. The door was locked. I don't, it was like this whole, I can't even remember exactly. Whatever it was, she stayed. It was like this whole thing. And I was like, all right, suck it up, Angelique. Like, you're fine. Like, you're totally going to have to take a nap later on. Like, it's fine. You're going to be okay. So I was like, okay, put on your game face and just, you know, enjoy your time with a friend. And I want to say, like, shortly after that, my mom ended up leaving. There, There could have been other stuff that was going on throughout the day. Oh, I do remember her talking to somebody on the phone constantly so there was somebody that she always kept leaving the room to go talk to and at first she at first she wouldn't leave the room at first she would be like kind of getting up and leaving but she knew that I didn't know how to speak Spanish she didn't know my mom does though so my mom was like you know saying something she was like oh just tell them this this, and this my mom was like she looked at my mom like you know Spanish and she was like yes and she was like oh So so instantly you could tell she got uncomfortable. And so like she left the room. And from that point on, she kept leaving the room. At that time, though, I didn't see it weird because like I leave the room to talk on the phone. Like I don't want people hearing my conversation sometimes. And if they and if they know that I'm speaking a different language and they understand it, like I probably would leave the room, too. Mm -hmm. Like, so no, I do the same thing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I feel like we all do the same thing. When I get a phone call, I instantly leave the room because not just because like regardless of the phone call yeah Yeah. i'm like whatever i'm gonna leave you know like that's another sign but like looking back now i can see it but then it was just something normal yeah yeah so after that my mom ended up leaving or she was about to leave and she asked like do you guys want to come to the park with us like all it's a two-hour practice so she was like, mm-hmm. do you, I think it was, or it was like an hour practice. She was like, do you guys want to come to the park? Maybe you could do like a lap. You know, it's cooled down. It's not hot. I live in Arizona. It's freaking hot out here. So yeah. she was like, you know, <laughs> you want to just go for a walk. And in my head, I was like, you know what? It's not that bad outside. Like, I'll, I'll we'll go. Like, we'll go. Let's go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You know, that's yeah. what she's been asking me to do this whole time anyways. So <laughs> we, I asked Cassandra, like, do you want to go for a walk? We can go to the park and just do, like, a walk around, like, Pacana. There's a big lake, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, oh, no, like, I don't feel good. Like, my stomach's hurting and my brother's going to pick me up shortly. And I was like, okay, mom, it's totally fine. Like, you can go. We'll stay. So she ends up leaving. And instantly, like, Cassandra becomes all, like, buddy-buddy with me. 
and she's like oh my gosh like I have those presents like remember the presents that I was gonna give you and I'm like oh yeah the presents I forgot (laughs) (laughs) so like that was the whole reason why she wanted to come over was because she had presents that she wanted to give me yeah the first thing I remember is her taking a chair and putting it in the middle of like my kitchen and it was still a little bit like brighter outside it wasn't it was getting dark it wasn't dark time yet but it was getting dark like you can see the sun setting and everything and she told me to sit in the chair and she like put it like in the middle of the kitchen and so i sat in the chair and she goes okay so i'm gonna come up behind you i'm gonna give you your presents okay i'm gonna drop it in your lap and i'm like okay that's weird i'm like who keeps presents that way (laughs) but she did like yeah like (laughs) i mean yeah just close your eyes like (laughs) yeah like close your eyes i'm gonna go ahead and give you a present and i was just like in my head i was just like i've never been given presents like this before but maybe like it's a really big surprise like who knows Mm -hmm. so she comes up behind and i don't know like i guess i felt weird about it but like it was kind of amusing to me too at the same time like i couldn't help but laugh about it because she would like come up slowly and like drop a present in my lap and like they were presents so like at that moment i was just like this is so weird but like whatever (laughs) like she's just a weird person like i said but like Listen, I have some weird friends, too. Like, I have friends nowadays that, like, you know, people say, like, oh, if you had a feeling, like, you should have told her to leave. And I'm like, listen, I have a feeling she was going to try to kill me. Like, I just had a feeling that she was weird. Like, who thinks that, though? Who (laughs) thinks that? Especially being eight, barely turning 18. Who really thinks that? And who, I mean, I feel like nowadays, people that are 18, 17, 16, I feel like where they're so obsessed with crime shows. When I was 17, though, 11 years ago, like, these weren't things that I was obsessed Team with. Mom. I was obsessed with like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the OC and the Hills Jersey Shore and, and Jersey Shore. Like I wanted to be like yeah. them. I didn't want to watch murder mysteries and figure out who's dying. And, yeah. You know, like now that was it's the like prime cool. time of reality TV. Yeah. It's a cool thing. Yeah. Reality TV was peak. <laughs> it was peak. And now nobody wants to watch it, you know, because we all know it's fake now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're never going to have another Jersey Shore, guys. That's exactly. Fine. So R. like, R. it's like when people now try to try to go back and try to like criticize me for things i'm like y'all don't even remember Analyze what it was it, like 11 yeah. years ago do you <laughs> yeah well like, i'm sure most of them the were fake tans we had thank you okay? remember the, the bump yeah. when we all thought that we should wear you know shorts that were like this you know this big like it was just you know there was, mm-hmm. it was the softy shorts yes it was all a different generation yeah and i imagine that a lot of those people are also just like young so they probably weren't like alive then <laughs> exactly or they so, were you know 10 they're... years old you know so mm-hmm yeah like but little babies yeah little babies so <laughs> there so she kept dropping presents in my lap guys like just and they were presents like i would open it up and it'd be like a baby blanket and like a baby onesie <laughs> and a, mm. like a newborn onesie and like a receiving blanket and I'm like you can't like they, you can't just hand this to me normally <laughs> no no she just i mean I, I listen she wanted to be dramatic about it and i was like cool like whatever <laughs> Like I yeah. can't wait to go tell my friends that what what you what you did. <laughs> she she sounds Build like she's trying to get your and get your guard down a little I, bit I, so I, that you're not expecting it. Maybe that's I don't know either that or she was scared. That's the only thing that may, might make yeah. sense to me is maybe she was scared of what she had to like what she was gonna do, and so mm-hmm. maybe just she was trying to build herself up. Like, have you ever? I feel like there's something in life that I've done 
that I've tried to build up the courage. Um, when you're going to jump off something. Like roller coasters. Yeah, like, or, like, yeah. like yeah. when you're going to jump off something. You go to run, but you're like, ooh, yeah, like wait, 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 that one wasn't good enough. Like, ooh, ooh let me yeah. try to run again. And then you're like, ooh, I don't know if I'll make that jump. So it was one of those things yeah. I feel like she was just trying to figure out, like, ooh, if I go towards her, is she going to turn around? Oh, she didn't turn around the first time. Let yeah. me go again. Oh, she's, mm-hmm. still, she's trusting me. She's trusting me. That's how I picture yeah. it in my head, at least. Like, it makes me make sense. That's how I can make sense of it. She didn't do nothing at that point. So she gave me all of my presents, and then she told me that she had this last present for me, but that the present she wanted to show me in the dark because it was specially made for Ryland, and it was just something that she wanted to show me. Like, she was, you know, very big on, I want to show you in the dark. And I was like, okay. Like, okay. Girl, well, wait. It's okay. Like, don't. It's okay. <laughs> um, and so, so I remember her giving me. <laughs> I, I remember her pulling out, like, this baby carrier out of her bag. It was Everybody always everybody always questions me, like, what do you mean she carried a baby carrier? It was, like, one of those baby-wearing, you know, carrier things. So oh, kind of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, she so like, a backpack for babies. Yeah, like a baby, yeah. So she had it, like, stuffed in there. So she gave me one. It was an expensive one. It was probably, like, a good $100. And I felt very uncomfortable accepting it. Like, very uncomfortable accepting mm-hmm, yeah. it because – I just felt like we weren't on that friendship level to the point where I could accept something like that much money. And I was like, I really don't feel comfortable accepting this because I know this costs Mm -hmm. a lot of money. And like, you're having a baby yourself. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I already got one for my baby shower. Like, this one's for you. Like, you can totally use, have it, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. So then after that, we start to do our nails. And let me remind you, this all happens. Everything I'm telling you from the point that my mom left is an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, all of this is happening. Okay. okay. Yeah. So everything that happens from the moment my mom left to the moment that the cops get there is all within an hour window. My friend actually came to the door. So we were doing our nails and all of a sudden I heard a knock on the door and I went to go open the door and it was my best friend, Skylar. And it was him and his mom and his mom missed my baby shower. And she was like, I'm so sorry. She's like, she's she's like another mom to me so she was like i'm so sorry like here's your present blah 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 you know talking my ear off and then i'm like oh yeah and he's like are you okay and i'm like yeah i'm fine he's like is something going on he could tell by my face and by my body language that something was something was that something was going on that i didn't like yeah or that i didn't feel i don't know he explained it to me later on but like he just said like i just had this weird feeling from you that you were like uncomfortable and i was like no i'm fine and then he cassandra came out and was like hi i'm cassandra and they were like hi and she was like yeah we're just doing our nails my nails are almost like this one's almost dry though so we need to go finish this one come on angelique and skylar was like okay well i'll see you guys later kind of thing and he you know they left and then after that, it started to get really dark. So then she was like, okay, let's go inside your room. I want to give you that gift. I really want to give you that gift. And I was like, okay. So then we go inside the room and she tells me to turn around and to close my eyes. And I'm like, but it's dark. Like, why don't you close my eyes? <laughs> and she's like, okay, we'll yeah. just turn around. I just really want to give you this present. Like she kept on emphasizing on about, I really, really want to give this to you. So I turned around and I'm just standing there. And all of a sudden, I start fighting with myself. Like, it's a really weird feeling. I've never felt this in my life. And I've never argued with myself inside my own head. And in my head, like, the thoughts were, 
What would you do if she were to stab you? How would you react? How would you defend yourself? How would you protect yourself? Would you start swinging? Like, what would you do? And then I was like, stop it. Like in my, like on the other side of my head, like stop it, Angelique, like stop thinking like that. Like, why are you thinking like that? Because I've never thought that way before. And so I was just Mm -hmm. like, I kept, it was like fighting with myself telling, and I don't even know how long I was standing there, but I was literally just in my head and it just kept on, I kept on like almost getting like like a vision inside of my head, I guess you could say, like I kept foreseeing that I was going to get stabbed. And that was the Mm -hmm. only thing that I kept feeling was that I was going to get stabbed. And I even would like turn around and I was like, Cassandra. And she's like, hold on, I'm almost done. I'm just putting the batteries in. And I was like, okay, like, it sounds legit. You know what I mean? Like she's putting batteries in something like it sounds legit. So I'm like, okay. And then I take my phone and I type my mom's mom's phone number in. So I grab, you know, I have a flip phone at that point. So I'm like, I put my mom's phone number in. And I hold it to my chest like this. And I have my finger on the call button. And I go, okay, Cassandra, you're taking forever. I'm going to sit on my bed because my back is hurting. Mm-hmm. And so I turn like my body that I, so I'm sitting on yeah. my bed and I still have my phone to my chest. I still can't really see, but she gets up behind me on the bed and goes, okay, are you ready? And I'm like, Ready for what? She's like, ready for the gift. And she's like, I'm going to put it over your head and you're going to see it. And it's going to be so cool. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. I'm so excited to show you. And I was just like, okay. So she puts her hand on my shoulder. And I remember her like pushing me down almost. And her counting like one, two. And on three, I fucking just flipped. I freaked out. Like I just freaked out and was like, what are you doing? And just like stood up and I was like, show me the damn, like, show me the light. Like what is going on? And I ran over to the light, like to my light and turned the light on. And at that moment, whatever she had, she put back into her bag and coincidence, like what a coincidence, her phone started to ring, which it was a coincidence. Like there's no way that. Yeah. There's no way that somebody was watching. I mean, there's somebody could have been watching. Who know, you know? I mean, somebody could have been mm-hmm. watching. Who knows? But all of a sudden, somebody calls her and she says it's her husband, and she starts speaking to them in Spanish, and I'm just like staring at her and sta- and thinking in my head like, what just happened? And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Our next partner has a product I use pretty much every day. I started taking AG1 because I hated taking a bunch of pills in the mornings and wanted more energy throughout my day. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's got kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Pretty much all the things. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in when you work from home like me and don't get out too much. It can also help support mental clarity and alertness, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code, WICKED20, to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED20, 2-0. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there. Our next partner has a product I use pretty much every day. I started taking AG1 because I hated taking a bunch of pills in the mornings and wanted more energy throughout my day. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's got kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Pretty much all the things. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in when you work from home like me and don't get out too much. It can also help support mental clarity and alertness, and it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that is athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We're super excited to share our newest collaboration with you all. Violet and Suds is a neurodivergent and LGBTQ-owned small business that started in October of 2012. They create all kinds of products with various themes from bath and soap products, candles, stickers and stationery, and jewelry and accessories. All products are carefully handcrafted and recipes are hypoallergenic, vegan, cruelty-free, and all-natural. 10% of their monthly profit is donated to the Tiny Paws Kitten Shelter, so you can look forward to your self-care routine and know your money is going to a good cause. You can use our exclusive code, WICKED20, to get a discount of 20% off your whole order. Again, that code is WICKED20, 2-0. So head on over to violetandsuds.com and use that code at checkout. We'll see you there.
So we mentioned at the beginning of this episode that we had some technical difficulties while we were doing our interview. And unfortunately, part of that was that our recording software did not record a portion of her interview. So the next couple of minutes are going to be pulled directly from TikTok videos where she shared her story. And then we'll get right back to our interview. I thought I was going crazy. I walked out of the room and I literally had like a talk, like a one-on-one -on -one talk with myself. I had to tell myself that nobody would ever try to hurt me, but I had this really, really strong feeling that somebody was going to hurt me like she was. So I played along. I acted stupid. I just started being extra nice to her. I acted like I had no idea what was going on. I went back to the table and was continuing to do my nails. I texted my mom and asked her when she would be home. She told me in like 30 minutes, which made me feel at ease. At this moment, I still think I'm a little crazy. I have no physical proof. I never physically saw the knife. All I have are these feelings. So after I kind of started to figure out what was going on, I just played along. I was like testing it, I guess you could say. I'm not really sure the exact words to use. I wasn't for sure that she was trying to hurt me. I just had that feeling. And it wasn't like I was gonna call 911. There was no proof. When she was done talking on the phone, she came back into the kitchen. And I kind of just like studied her body behavior something was off she went into the bathroom and she came out and she came out soaking wet like her pants were wet and she was like oh my god my water broke and i was like oh my god like holy crap like you're only seven months and she begged me will you please come to the hospital with me will you please come to the hospital with me i said um oh, okay let me call my mom and let her know before i said that though she was on the phone with somebody and she goes come get us and then she hung up weird i said who are you talking to and she said my brother so then I said, well, I need to call my mom and tell her what's going on. And immediately she goes, wait, you need to call your mom? And I was like, yeah, I need to call my mom and tell her like where I'm going to be. And she goes, hold on, let me go make sure I didn't pee myself. Literally, my heart dropped like, what? <laughs> Women, if you know, you know that sometimes you can pee yourself when you're pregnant and think that your, your, your water broke. You don't really know it's your first baby. I gave her the benefit of the doubt, which I shouldn't have done. She came out and she was like, I am so embarrassed right now. I peed myself. I'm, I'm so sorry. And so she called her brother back and said, hey, never mind. It was just a false alarm. I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. So then she was really embarrassed. So she asked if she could borrow some clothes. I told her, yeah, go ahead and go in my room and pick out whatever you want. So I lit a candle in my room. I'm like a big candle freak. I love candles. Candles are always lit in my house. So there was one in there. It ended up being a teacup candle. Um, the ones that like, um, you know, go up and like the smell goes around. I don't, you know what I mean, right? Anyway, she goes into the room and she starts changing. She goes, I really like this dress. Can I wear this? And I said, yeah, that's fine. When I go in there though, the candle's out. I smell something like a burning smell kind of. And I go, Cassandra, do you smell that? And she's like, no, what is that? And I'm like, dude, it smells like something's burning. I go, why did the candle go out? And she goes, I don't know. I didn't even know your candle was lit. And I'm just like, what is going on? I smell something burning though, guys. So I searched my whole room. I look like a maniac looking under the bed, opening my closet, opening my drawers everywhere, running around my house, running to my brother's room, running to my mom and dad's room. Can't find anything, not even a smell. Any, like I can't figure out where it's coming from. So then I go, okay. I walk out and I'm like, whatever. I guess I'm crazy. So I go light another candle because I'm not stupid. I'm testing her. Goes immediately back into the room and says, I really want to try this other dress on. Closes the door. I know something is going on. So I stand next to my pantry and I can see her shadow pacing back and forth. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? She opens the door. I immediately run in and the candle's out. Again, she plays stupid. I look everywhere, everywhere. Open my closet. My closet is in flames. 
So once I see this fire, I start, you know, panicking. I'm like screaming, Cassandra, go grab a pot and pan. Help me, help me. At this moment, my only thing is to get the fire under control. So I go get pots and pans. I fill them up with water. I don't think she was helping me. I think she was just like staring at me and I ended up putting the fire out. We were both coughing. So I grabbed her and I pulled her outside. It was a lot of smoke, guys, like a lot. We're outside and we're coughing and coughing and coughing. I already called 911 at this point and she was just standing there. She went back inside and I called my best friend who lived down the street and he came over with his mom. At this point, guys, I am, I know what's going on, okay? I do, but I also have no proof. It's just me. How do I explain this to somebody without sounding crazy? So my best friend comes over with his mom. The fire department's there. The cops are there. It's, it's crazy because the fire restarted. I guess I didn't put it out all the way. So when my mom and dad opened the garage, literally smoke was just rolling out of the house. I was having contractions. She was faking contractions. And I'm honestly just so scared. I'm so scared to tell somebody. I'm scared that people are gonna think I'm crazy because I sound crazy. I told my best friend what I thought was going on and while she was being checked out and he looked at me like I was crazy. Because again, guys, there was no proof. It was just what my feelings were, what I thought was going on. So I get checked out by the paramedic. She is too. And she's making, um, she's laughing. She's like, oh, ha ha ha, me and Angela, you're going to have our babies together. And I'm just like, girl. As I'm getting checked out though, I'm having a lot of contractions and I see my best friend telling his mom what I said. All right. So I guess we'll just pick up where we left off. You said that he told his mom about yes, what happened. Okay. So Skylar told his mom, his mom told my mom and dad. And like, again, this is all happening just outside while we're getting checked out. And I can see like the eyes, like the parents' eyes where they're all just like yeah. looking and they're like all looking at me that you can hear, they're all talking and then they're looking at me. And I'm like, Skylar, he's like, Inge, like I had to say something. Like I had to say something because if any, if this is real, like if this is actually happening, like we need to tell the cop. And I was just yeah. like, Okay. Like I didn't want to tell the cops. I still haven't told the cops anything. The cop, like the fire investigators are in the closet trying to find out like what happened because in my head, I'm like, if they can investigate and they can find the cause of to what happened, like, and let's say there was an explanation, you know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe there yeah. was some kind of explanation and I'm tip, I'm really crazy. I'm still shooting for the fact that I'm crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and they end up just so my parents want to go inside the house at this point so they go come on Angela let's go inside the house and talk so I remember going inside of the house and my parents are like what happened and I told them like okay when you left this happened this happened this happened she told me to turn around and close my eyes I thought she was going to stab me like I tell them the whole story of what like how I felt mm -hmm. and they are looking at me like I'm crazy yeah everybody's staring at me like just like waiting for me to be like just kidding or you know like something yeah. and I mean there was no explanation just you know whatever and so the paramedics come inside and they're like well Cassandra wants to go to the hospital mm -hmm. so we're grabbing all her stuff and so they start grabbing like her bag that she brought and then also like my clothes the ones that she was trying on and I'm like no 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 no, no. those are my clothes yeah. so I'm like those are mine I go grab them and like I go, wait, hold on. And they're like, what? And I'm like, I grab the bag and I'm telling my parents and like the paramedics are standing right there. I grab the bag and I start, I, I start to open the bag and I go, mom, she kept saying that she had this light for me, this present for me, this light, the reason why I went inside my room and the reason, like the whole reasoning as to why, yeah. like she wanted me to turn around. I was like, if the light is in here, like I'm crazy, I'm a bitch. Yeah. And, yeah. um, 
she's just, you know, weird. Like she's just a weird individual. Um, and so like, I'm banking for that. And I start to like tell my parents, like, I'm, I'm like, she had this light, this light. That's all she kept saying. And like, as I'm doing that, I'm putting my hands inside the bag and I inst- like my heart drops and I instantly feel metal and I pick up two butcher knives and I pull them out and I drop them on the counter and I'm just like shaking at that point. And I start, I start, I, I don't even remember. I just remember screaming and screaming at everybody and telling them, I told you, like, I told you she was going to stab me. And like, that's all I kept saying. I went into like this weird, I don't even know what it was. All I kept saying was, I told you she was going to stab me. I told you she was going to stab me. And my mom just grabs me and like, I'm crying and she's crying. Everyone's at this point is just like, my mom then takes the knives and runs outside. And she's like, these were in her bag. And the cops are like, whoa, like lady. Yeah. (laughs) You can't do that. You can't run around knives like that. Mm. Um, and so at that point, she had already put been put into the ambulance and was getting taken to the hospital. And because even they didn't, in like in the report, it even says that the paramedics didn't believe that she was pregnant. But they have to, if somebody says, I want you to take me to the hospital, they have to take you to the hospital. Yeah. So they're taking her to the hospital. My street has now been closed down for an attempt of murder case. And at that point, they're interviewing everybody. My husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, couldn't even get in because the whole, sh- like, every, it was nobody in, nobody out. Like, the streets, like, the end of my street and the end of that street were all blocked off. Mm-hmm. And so they start doing an investigation and everything. And that's how the night kind of ends, is just with them investigating. They do, I don't remember being interviewed, but I've listened to my tape of me being interviewed. Mm-hmm. And, like... I sound fine. I don't remember being fine. Yeah. Um, it's very likely I, you were in shock. And so it just... I think I was in shock. Yeah. Because I sound very normal and kind of like I'm talking to you guys. I'm cracking jokes. I'm yeah. going, well, like she's... I didn't think this. Like I was like, it's just, it's weird hearing myself because I thought that I was more hysterical, but I must have like went through my hysterical moment and then like was like, all right, let's get to business kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, I was still, like, questioning, like, even though, like, I found the butcher knives, I knew, like, this was all going on. Like, I was still just, like, why? Like, what did I do to make her not like me? Or, mm-hmm. or like, I don't know. Like, it just made no sense to me. I didn't even think about Ryland. All I thought yeah. about was myself. All I thought about was that she was trying to hurt me. And I didn't even think of the fact that she was trying to take my baby. So, like, so, did she was it her that told you like what her plan was or was it the cops that told you the cops told me what the plan was okay so and then that was to take your baby yeah so what happened after that was basically she she got to the hospital at some point she must have got to the hospital and they probably tested her and everything found out she wasn't pregnant and she ended up leaving the hospital so Mm -hmm. against like orders you know you shouldn't leave blah, blah blah she left and the cops couldn't find her for two weeks. So investigate. So the next day, the fire investigator comes back to my house and they're just really slow. And I'm very impatient. Yeah. I'm a very impatient person. So they weren't doing their investigating as fast as I wanted them to do. So yeah. I took it upon myself to find out who she was and the beauty of Google. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of finding out who she was. I ended up finding out um, from years prior when she was like 15, she ran away and she, her, she was reported as a runaway. And she was schizophrenic. Like they put it on the news that she was schizophrenic, manic depressant, bipolar, and had multi-personality syndrome. It's called something else, but I don't know. Everybody uh, always gets mad at me. I, it's just, I don't know what it's called. It's like it's multi-personality. Changed. Yeah. It was, it's um... changed. Exactly. That's why when I, in my video, I stated, I don't know if it's a thing that disorder, I don't know is a thing is what I meant and people yeah. were like jumping at me like it is uh, a thing and I was like whoa like I just mean like that that term is not a thing it's yeah, now yeah. called something else it's dissociative identity disorder now but it used okay. to be called so DID yeah yeah okay so so that's what she was diagnosed back then though it was as it was it was that though yeah um which was super hard to diagnose I heard like that's yeah. what a psychiatrist, a psychiatrist told me they're extremely hard cases a therapist will say you have it but you don't have it like that's why they had to change the name yeah um but I found like articles stating that I also found a picture of her with this girl um who everybody thinks is me it's funny everybody always sends me pictures on <laughs> and is this you and her and I'm like no that's not me yeah. um but it's her cousin and I went to school I me and her cousin dated the same guy oh, and okay. I met her when I was in seventh grade yeah so I found out like I saw the picture of Cassandra and I did my own investigating and I called my ex and said hey like do you still have Maddie's phone number like I, I need to ask her a question he's like why I'm like just give me her fucking phone number <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not even going to try to explain this to you right now. Just give me her number. So he gave me her number and I was like, Maddie, do you remember me? Like, my name is Angelique. We used to date the same guy. Like, I was like talking so fucking fast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, she was like, yeah. And I was like, long story short, I met this girl named Cassandra. I think she was trying to kill me. I think she was trying to, you know, kill me. I think she started my house on fire. And I saw a picture with you on her with Facebook. And do you know her? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I know we haven't talked in years, but do you know her? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, that's my cousin. And I was like, yikes. <laughs> okay. Well, I just told you that your cousin was trying to kill me. Okay. That's great. There. I mean, if the shoe he fits, ended up, right? Yeah. The, well, she ended up 100% believing me saying that Cassandra <laughs> was crazy and that, you know, she 100% knew that Cassandra was capable of doing something like that. And she was just waiting for it to happen. Mm, and yeah. that made me feel worse, honestly, but it made me feel better because it made me realize that like what's going on is real because even the cops, even though they, they believed the fact that we found butcher knives, mm-hmm. they were trying to pin the fire on this laptop. They said I had a laptop in my closet and they thought that the battery blew up. So they were trying to pin it on the battery blew up. So all these things were happening and even then the cops still didn't 100% believe me yeah. because I was a kid in Maricopa. I was the kid that got into fights. I was the kid that got arrested. I was mm-hmm. the kid that did drugs. Like I, I lived in a very small town where I was very much judged for my own actions, you know? Yeah. So being, I, I did them, but obviously like this was real. So, but they didn't take it like as it was real um, until I started giving them all the information. Yeah. So I gave them all that information and then they asked me if I would be willing to come down to the precinct and call her and act like I had no idea what was going on. So I agreed and we went down, I went down to like the the police station and they had like a recording, like they basically made me use their phone, but change the phone number on it to like match my number. Yeah. And then they recorded with like it was a whole like machine thing they had Mm -hmm. and so I called her and I had to act like I had no idea what like what was going on so I called her and was just like hey Cassandra like 
wow, like that was crazy last night. Like mm. what happened? Like all of a sudden, like, you know, like the house was on fire. Like I just had to play stupid. And they wanted me to get her to admit that she was in my room alone before the fire started so they can pin it and not pin it on me because she was telling them that I was like <sighs> smoking weed in my room pregnant and that I ashed, they, she told them that I ashed my pipe on my dress and it caught fire. So she was like, oh, it was her. She's the one that did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were, so they were looking at me like I was a set, like I did it too. Yeah. So I had to get her to admit that she was in my room alone. So I was, I had to ask like stupid questions like, well, you were in the room alone. And she was like, well, yeah. And I was like, yeah. So I just had to keep on at, like asking these weird questions. She started to catch on with what was going on. And somebody was in, you could hear somebody in the background tell her, telling her like basically I think they said like hang up yeah something along the lines of hang up so the cops already knew like what was going on because they could hear everything Mm -hmm. and they were just like whoever's in the background knows what's going on so she hung up the phone really fast and that was the last time I ever physically talked to her Mm -hmm. Um, and then after that I think after hearing that and the cops realizing that she was in the room by themselves that it was a real arson case at that point yeah so they were able to do more investigating and they ended up finding out that like they found her fingerprints on the teacup candle um and they ended up finding out like how she like how she did it it doesn't make sense to me like she poured candle wax and then she like lit the fire with like she must have lit like my dress on fire and then did some, it, whatever it was it started a slow fire and then went into a big fire mm-hmm. yeah so that that happened um and then I ended up, I ended up getting preeclampsia. So within a few days, I ended up being hospitalized for preeclampsia, and I was in the hospital for like four days. And then I ended up giving birth, and I bled out after giving birth. So I ended oh, no. up staying in there for another. I stayed in there for like about a week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I came home, and they were still investigating. She was still out. Nobody knew where she was at. Nobody could find her. Um, and then. Madi actually helped me a lot and when Cassandra's sister so she was living with her sister Cassandra's sister was out of out of the country for like three weeks so when she returned back home she had no clue with what was going on so Madi called her and said hey like this is what's been going on since you've been gone like this happened this happened this happened the cops are looking for your sister like there's a huge attempt of murder case going on right now and nobody knows like what is like what's happening so the whole reasoning why Cassandra even got arrested was because her sister got her to come back home mm-hmm. and then had the cops waiting there for her. So the cops were able to pick her up, take her down to the precinct and basically do the interrogation. Yeah, um, the interrogation actually helped. Exactly. If if the family wouldn't have helped, I don't know if we would have gotten her on. Got honestly. her, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because sometimes the family is like, oh, no, they they wouldn't do that, you know, and they're on the person's side, which, like, I kind of get, like, family, you want to be loyal, but they're like, oh, no, she's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) She 100%. They were like, she's crazy and she's off her meds kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it made sense. And um, I was very, very thankful because... I just remember, I think Rylan was two weeks old and I remember sleeping and I remember waking up within all that time too. I had really bad PTSD. So within the two weeks of being home with Ryland, I refused to sleep in my room um, because all I ever saw were flames. When I would wake yeah. up, I would see flames or if God forbid somebody touched me, I would start swinging on people. Like it was really bad. Like I would start swinging with Ryland in my arms. Like I just, I had very, very bad PTSD of everything that was happening. Yeah. And I just couldn't believe like what was going on. 
And so finally, um, I got a phone call. My mom came into my room like at midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And she was like, Angelique, it's the cops. Like, Angelique, it's the cops. And I was like, oh my God. So I got up and I talked and it was Sergeant Mary who was telling me, we have her in custody. We have her confession. You can sleep tonight. And like, I, it was the best news I could ever imagine because I really didn't think they were going to get her. Yeah, especially after that long too. It was a very, well, it was very, I was very doubtful that they were going to, I, I felt like nobody was taking my case seriously. And I felt like everybody thought I was crazy because I still felt crazy yeah. no matter what. Like, even though I knew what was going on, like I felt crazy. Like it was, it was a crazy scenario. Like going to the hospital, they had my room under like lockdown. Like nobody can get into my room unless they had a code. There were caught, like there were cops outside my room. Like after I gave birth to Ryland, the nurses would cut, cause Ryland had an infection. So they had to come and take Ryland down to like the NICU. And like, I was like, no, like, mm-hmm. don't touch my baby. Like, don't show me your badge. Show me, show me, show me that you're like a legit person. Like it was a really, like, it was horrible. I was so paranoid. I was so yeah. paranoid that somehow she was going to get in there and take him. Yeah. Um, so it was the best news to know that I could finally sleep. I still didn't sleep, but mm-hmm. like, it was just better news to know that she was locked up in jail. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Then after that, then it got went out on the news, and like nobody believed me. Like my friends and family, they didn't really believe me. My mom and dad knew what was going on. My brothers, like my immediate family, knew that I wasn't lying. But like people that didn't, like weren't a part of the immediate part, like they, like my close friends, didn't believe me. My family didn't believe me. And when it came out on the news that she was arrested and that she confessed everything, and they put her confession that she was going to stab me, perform the C-section and burn my body with all the evidence. Like when they put that out on the news, it was like this, everybody was just writing me. I'm so sorry, like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, basically, am I like, I felt like, fuck you is how I felt. Yeah. Like to everybody. Was it because she wanted like her own baby? So I definitely will get to that. We're we're almost there. Um, (laughs) Long story short, I don't remember what happened between then and a year. Between then and a year, I don't remember ever talking to somebody. Not saying that I never did, Mm -hmm. but I don't remember talking to any prosecutors. I don't remember talking to victims, right? I don't remember talking to anybody. Mm -hmm. I remember out of the blue, I get this phone call that like, we're going to trial. That's out of the blue. I get this weird phone call that we're going to trial. That's what, that's all, all that I remember. And then I get another call saying that we don't have enough evidence. And in my head, I'm like, what do you mean we don't have enough evidence? We have a confession. We have the knives. We have like the fingerprints. Like, what do you mean? And they were like, well, when the cops arrested her, they didn't read her her Miranda rights. So if we go to court, the whole confession is dropped. It doesn't exist because of it. And we will lose the whole case. And she ultimately can walk. So they they scared me into a plea bargain. They terrified, like I was terrified with her walking so they said like we can we're we're offering her a seven and a half year deal now we can do a mental institution or we can do jail so they gave me the option to pick i took a few days on it at first i wanted to send her to jail because i wanted her to suffer just like i did so in my head i wanted her to suffer um but then i knew that one day she would be getting released and the fact that she would be getting released meant that she would be a danger to other people so yeah. in my head, I thought that sending her to the mental institution with getting the medications that she needs and the help that she needs would be better for her. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I chose the mental institution. 
Um, You're a much better person than a lot of other people because I yeah. imagine they would have said no jail immediately. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, they were. They told me in the confession that she was very sick and that she thought that Rylan was her child and that that's what I always believed and I always thought. Ryland is her child and that she was mentally ill. She was so sick and, you know, she's a poly, you know, whatever it is. She, she's sorry, everything. Well, we went to the, we went to the plea bargain. Like I went to the hearing and I wrote this long letter and said it to her face, like said it to her. It took me forever. I was bawling my eyes out. I could barely yeah. breathe. And she would just look at me and like smirk. And then she wouldn't apologize. The, the judge gave her time after time to apologize. Cassandra, would you like to say anything to the victim? No, your honor. Cassandra, this will be the last time you ever see this woman. Are you sure there's a thing you want to say to this woman? No, your honor. And like oh. instantly I felt rage. I felt rage. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Like, how dare you? Like after all I have done, even be, oh my God, I get so angry about it. Yeah. That's a justified feeling. Like you went out of your way to be compassionate to her to make sure she gets help for And she can't even apologize. On. Yeah. Can't even apologize. Like so, she was planning yeah, on yeah. taking your life and she And your baby child yeah. and my child and just be perfectly fine. Mm. It, it's really I just I couldn't believe it and I left it as it was I stopped and I you know I tried to move on with my life and then yeah. I was I was you know after that like after the whole confession happened within that like with, before she went to sentencing mm. there was news reporters outside my house trying to get a statement for like weeks and yeah. I refused to talk to anybody would not talk to one person um, when the sentencing happened, I made my first statement outside of the courthouse. And that was my first time ever talking. Then I had like news people. I allowed news people to ask me questions. Um, then the Dr. Phil show came. <laughs> Hate him. Hate Dr. Phil. Ooh. Hate him. I feel like there's how a story was, there. Yeah. How, how was Dr. Phil? <laughs> He's a horrible human being. Horrible. Yeah, no, horrible I human. Agree. He gaslit me. It was the, really? Yeah. There's videos. Of I've actually posted. Your, so I actually saw your interview when I was a kid. I'm only 23, so I'm, like, way younger than you and Bree. But when I, my grandma used to, like, religiously watch Dr. Phil, and I actually remember um, when, like, your episode came out. And so when I saw your TikToks, I was like, oh, that's the girl from Dr. Phil. And I was like, I've got to get her on the podcast. <laughs> like, but I, so, but I've, since then, I've re, like, I went back and rewatched it. And the way that he speaks to you, and I've noticed he speaks to every, like, I swear everybody like that. But he's just like, he's talking down to you, like, that this is nothing. And that it's just, to me, it's like he's trying to, like, gaslight you and to, like, say that you were being over dramatic. And I just got so angry watching it. Yeah. So I can only imagine how you felt. I was blindsided, very, yeah. very much blindsided by the whole thing because when they reached out to me, it was about coming onto the show to spread awareness. I turned down I Survived. I turned down Anderson Cooper. I turned down other TV shows because I everybody wanted to switch my story to fit their narrative. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. oh, can we say that she was your best friend? Can we say this and this happened? And I'm like, no, like, that's not my story. Like, mm -hmm. no, we're not yeah. going to change it. So I would turn down people. And Dr. Phil's producers were the only ones that were like, hey, like, let's get you on the show. Let's tell your story. Like, it's an amazing story. You know, we can't tell the whole thing, but we can tell the, you know, the biggest pieces of it. 
to make it known to other women. And that was my goal. My goal was to get this out to other women to let them know that this is something that does happen because yeah. my story can help, you know. I never thought that this could ever happen based off the fact that I've never heard of anybody ever doing this to anybody. So yeah. like, you, you know, it's just one of those things that you don't think of. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole reason I went on the show. And to my surprise, when I walk on that stage and it is nothing that I thought it was going to be like my face and my heart dropped and I felt like I was being blamed yeah. and I never talked about it. I felt like I was being blamed. I felt like when he pulled up that bulletin board and he started naming things that I missed, I literally like, I felt like I, I, I was so embarrassed for one. I was like, wow, like, am I really that stupid? Like, wow. Like the way that he put those out there and the way that he said things, I was like, okay, I know hindsight 2020, but like, for real, like, you're going to sit here and basically say that, you know, you did this, but you still did that. Yeah. This happened but you still did this. And like hmm. it's way past the point of even like, so I get talk show host will play devil advocate all the time and I get it, but there's a way to do it respectfully and mm -hmm. to not disrespect the victim that you have like, like on your show mm -hmm. and a way to get your point across. And I, I feel like and it's just for me watching it. Cause like I said, I went back and rewatched it recently, but I feel like he just disrespected you and like the whole case like the entire time and I got so pissed off watching it so I am so sorry that that was yeah. something that you even had to go through like as a victim like that just irrit like that frustrates me so much so I'm I hope when you hear like when you hear the this podcast like this episode recorded that you don't feel like that at all like mm -hmm. you feel like your story did get out because I that frustrated me so much yeah because I, I you were 17 going on 18 like he can't expect you to have been able to catch on to all of this like you you even said yourself like you start you felt off but you wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt because you're like no why why would anybody do this and like so you're not the only one who is saying that either everybody else yeah. is like oh no that that totally didn't happen like you're you're being you're crazy. dramatic yeah. yeah and so it's like why would he expect you to have caught on to these things if nobody else would have either because they were like no there's no way that that's true like especially when sorry feel pisses me off <laughs> yeah <laughs> I I, same if yeah. he if he would have if they see like listen if they would have said like hey let's go ahead and put some triggers like some signs yeah. that you yeah. saw that you might have think i would have been down for that i would have been like mm -hmm. you're right after hindsight 2020 i would have been okay saying you know what these were some things that i that i didn't pay attention to but instead they changed the, he didn't even let me talk on the whole show. No, and then he, he had the audience, and then he had the audience laugh at me when that yeah. happened. I was done. I was yeah. so done. I wanted to cry. Yeah. And I kept telling myself like, you're on national television. Don't cry. You're on yeah. national television. Don't cry. Like, Oh my God, like don't do it, Angelique. And so it was a really hard moment. And then after that, I started, I believed what he said about me. And I believed that, that it was my fault and that I'm the person to blame and that I'm stupid and that, you know, I deserved it basically is how I felt. And I went years and years and years thinking yeah. that I never went back to counseling. I never um, talked to anybody about it. I just kept it bundled inside. I went home and shredded all the paperwork, every document that I had from that, from the case. I was done thinking about it and talking about it and it was a horrible, horrible feeling. And then the ID channel came out and I did, I did do that. That, that was that was better but 
even then, like, I still felt very disconnected from my case, very yeah. disconnected, almost like I was just telling a story at this point, yeah. that it mm-hmm. never meant anything. Because again, I just kept feeling like it's your fault, like you deserved it. And this is what Dr. Phil said to you. So it must be true. Kind well, of I was going to say, I feel like Dr. Phil is somebody like you see on TV, like, I, I don't know about you, like, but, but, you know, my grandma religiously watched it. So it was always on, but like you see, and he's supposed to be a doctor and he's, he's supposed to help all these people. Figure. And then you get on there and then he's blaming you. And then it kind of like makes you feel even worse than what you did. And it mm-hmm. destroys like any self-preservation or self-esteem that you had left after this. How old were you when you did the Dr. Phil show? Like how soon? I was, I think I just turned 19. Oh, wow. Oh, so you were way young. Yeah. So this was pretty recently after that. Wow. So I went years and years without doing counseling because the whole Dr. Phil thing, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. I ended up going back to counseling when she got, um, when she got released. So I went to the releasing and I got very, very curious because there was a reporter that did a news article, like did an article on me years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. And he told me something that always stuck with me, but I was too scared to dig into. He sent me a file and said, when you have like the guts to do this, look at your file because you were lied to and never thought anything of it. Just whatever, you know, lost the file, didn't even care because again, I was so checked out, yeah. so checked out from everything. Well, I got curious when 2020 happened because Save Our Children's came out. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Save Our Children's. It was like a whole thing that happened. And I got very curious because that back of like something in the back of my head kept telling me, go find out more information about your case. Well, I found out and I listened to all the interrogation tapes, which were horrible. They were horrible because I heard her for three and a half hours basically like making jokes and trying to pretend like this was nothing. In the end, she confessed that um, it wasn't for her. The babe, my son was not for her, that she was a part of a gang and that they were going to sell my child over the border to somebody in Mexico. Like they already had a, a somebody, a buyer. They already had everything, everything. So the Miranda rights that were non-existent, remember? Yeah. During the Miranda rights that were no longer there, you know, that weren't there. They were there. Wow. Um, everything was everything that was said to me was a lie basically wow and it makes sense because i can't remember what exactly happened during sentencing and everything like that but it doesn't make sense like why would you let this go you had everything in the back yeah i've never gone down that rabbit hole i've never asked anybody i'm too scared to ask anybody what actually happened in my case i don't know it's already been too long i'm not trying to get jail time more for her i think that now after finding out the truth she does i I don't feel bad now i feel i'm mad that i put her in a mental institution because i feel Mm -hmm. like she should have suffered yeah at that point i don't know if she got a plea bargain because she gave up like her accomplice but remember when i told the story somebody dropped her off somebody was on the phone with her yeah somebody coincidentally called i I found out that i was stalked for months my my there was a, so much more to my case wow. that nobody ever told me. And so now that I'm older and now that I'm older and I've watched way too many crime shows, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, like what is going on and yeah. what is wrong in our world kind of thing. Like my son was going to be trafficked, you know, trafficked to Mexico mm-hmm. and it's not a big deal kind of thing. It got swept under the rug. Yeah. yeah. So how are you and your family doing? Like, how are you now and how are you and your family doing? We're doing, we're doing good. So is there anything that like we, like us and our listeners can do to help you spread this story, like to help you spread your story and then to help us spread awareness 
I mean, the only thing I can say is just by, I mean, I barely started doing it on TikTok. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much the one way that I did it is by having my story heard and shared. Um, Honestly, I feel like going on a podcast is a bigger, is better Mm -hmm. because it's not getting bits and pieces and, and reenactments and stuff like that. Yeah. Only thing that I want is just for people to realize, you know, that pregnant, like being pregnant, like it's scary. And also to just trust that inner voice, trust mm-hmm. everything, you know, trust whatever, whatever you think is happening, it's probably happening. Like, yeah, and it's better to just act on it than it is to think you're stupid. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I, I just think by telling my story is just the only thing that I can do. I don't really know if anybody can actually do anything besides just listening yeah. and what they're doing right now. Just being so, vigilant in their own lives. And taking my story and learning from it. And mm-hmm. just, you know, whether it means giving advice to their pregnant friend or giving advice to when they're pregnant or you know mm-hmm. not saying that every person's going to be targeted but it's like it's scary you have yeah. to you have to yeah. you have to realize that the this has been done way more than it should have ever been done and a lot of what and there's only one other survivor that has actually survived like actually physically being cut open <gasps> and besides that though everybody else has died and so i'm just yeah. on here not only being the voice for myself, but being the voice for the women that that suffered, that suffered this horrible crime and their babies aren't here, they're not here. I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not sure why I was given this chance, but you know, I don't take it for granted and I'm very thankful every single day to be alive. I had more children after, which I never thought I would. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a healing process. Telling my story without crying is such a healing process. Like it's, it's amazing. And I always suggest, you know, anybody that's been through trauma, you know, it's scary to tell your story, but I promise the minute that you do tell your story, you feel empowered and you feel invincible and you feel like nothing else can bring you down. Does your son know what happened or? He does. Okay. I told him when Cassandra got released in August of 2019, Okay. Um, I went to her hearing in July and that broke me. Um, I talked with like the the board um, at ASH, which is the um, the Arizona State Hospital here in Arizona, mm-hmm. I went upon I went upon the board and spoke and told them that I disagreed with their decision and I tried to fight it. Mm-hmm. I at first didn't want to do it. I told them I would just do a video call and I would just listen and I wouldn't talk. But then the night before, I called my best friend. I ca- told my husband, "I want to go. Yeah. I want to go." So I called them and they said, "Absolutely, you can come." And I went down there and spoke, and I lost. But I was still my voice and my son's voice. And I decided from that day I came home that he needed to know the truth Mm -hmm. because I don't want him to ever, I want him to know who she is, what she looks like, and to know that she's a dangerous woman. And, you know, he's heard me talk. I'm very open. He doesn't know exactly what happened, like detail for detail, but he does know what happened. Okay. Well, that's good that he's like aware. Yeah. Yeah, like I notify his school, you know, he's going to middle school now and like, I'm gonna have to notify them, but I just want them to know and I post it, I give it to them so they know and I say, this is her picture, like she is not allowed near him. If you ever see this person on the campus, if you ever, just in case, you know, I don't, we've never had an encounter. um, But, you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, you never know, honestly. It's better to be safe than sorry. It's better to be safe, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything more that you would like to add before we wrap up no I mean just everything that I said thank you for having me like I said it's you know um it's nice to have my story heard for the first time you know I went on my story time in January on on TikTok and 
nobody's ever heard my story from my mouth before. Um, it's a long story and you know it's, it's important. a lot that had to be said but I feel like it helps people understand the characteristics mm -hmm. of somebody that's like that yeah and yeah. I'm just thankful to be able to tell my story and that's pretty much it and I appreciate everybody for listening and I appreciate yeah. you guys for reaching out absolutely no absolutely that's we're what we're so, here for <laughs> yeah we're so thankful that you came on our podcast the yeah. whole point of us doing it is to give voices to victims who mm -hmm. might not otherwise have a choice and yeah. so it means so much that you chose to come on here and share your story with us and our listeners yeah we really appreciate you coming on just being able to hear your story like I probably won't be having kids anytime soon, but it's good to know <laughs> to like hear the story and so that you can pinpoint like just just be aware of this this thing happens. Like it might not yeah. happen to everybody, but it happens and it's good to be able to look out for it. So Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the story of Angelique Cruz and how Dr. Phil is a bitch. Yeah. We do not stand Dr. Phil in this household. Did you know he's, I'm pretty sure he's not even like an actual doctor. Mm, no, I did not know that, but like, I would believe it. I mean, I think he had a like license to practice at one point, but he doesn't now. And now he's Didn't just he let like, it lapse? Or, uh, oh, I think I did. Hear, didn't like he let it lapse or something. Can you let it It was, lapse? it was something. It, yeah. It, Cause I'm sure you have to renew something like that, but I remember it just being a big news story recently where people are like, yeah, Dr. Phil sucks and he's not even a real doctor. So look that up and <laughs> now y'all, you'll, you'll know, you'll know all the, the juicy details, but uh, also like just going through that whole experience and then going on national television thinking when that this dude is going to, yeah, because she was only 19 at this point. Like, she this this was fresh. Mm. Like, fresh. This, imagine the trauma of an adult sitting there and blaming you. On national television. For somebody else. Yeah, for somebody else, for what somebody else was trying to do to you. With the live like, audience, might I add. Yeah. Fuck Dr. Phil. Thank you to Angelique for coming on to our show and for sharing your story with us and for at least letting us know that you are doing okay, that your family is doing well. I'm very happy to see that she now has two other children as well. She's married. They're very happy. So congratulations to her for being able to work through this, especially after not really even getting any sort of closure because... Like she said, she wanted Cassandra to get help, which is why she chose the therapy option or the the Mental commitment hospital, option. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then Cassandra did not show any remorse. And she said, psych. Yeah, it was just like, that's the sign of a sociopath to me. Like you feel no remorse for the fact that you were willing to cut somebody's baby out of their stomach and potentially kill them for it. And also sell that baby to, like, a gang. Like, what? How? I could say a lot, but I'm not <laughs> going to. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for listening. You can find us on social media. We are on pretty much all the social media accounts at so Shockingly Wicked Podcast. Except for TikTok, we are just Shockingly Wicked. And on Twitter, we are Wicked Podcast 1. You can find our website, which is shockinglywicked.com or shockinglywickedpodcast.com. They will take you to the same place. You can also find all of our social links on there as well. 
join our Patreon, which is also Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We have three separate tiers. You can get bonus episodes. You can get all kinds of good stuff. You get free stickers when you join and a little thank you video from us personally. A variety of different benefits. So go check it out. See which one works best for you. Come join us. We also have a Discord and it's really fun because I set it up and it looks very pretty and we'd love to have you there with us. So come come hang. And also if you're going to be in the Dallas area towards the end of August, come see us at the True Crime Podcast Festival. It is from the August 26th to the 28th at the Weston Park Central in Dallas. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can still get tickets, I believe. Definitely not at the early bird price because it's no longer early bird. But come see us. Come hang out. We'll we'll do all the fun things. If you have case suggestions, you can send them to us through the contact form on our website. Or you can send it to shockinglywickedpodcast at gmail.com. And that is all for Bye. us. We'll see you <laughs> next week. Thank you and good night.